right. Good morning, Faith Church. How's everybody doing today? Three of you are good, and the rest of you are asleep. Hey, man, it's good to see you guys. You all fired up today? Come on, let's give God our best praise all over this place. Want to welcome all of our Faith Church family. It's good to have you in the house. Can you welcome our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg? Hey, it's good to have you guys. We love you. To all of our guests, our VIPs, it's good to have you here. We don't want to remind everybody every week that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. So whatever your struggle is, your challenge, your issue, your opportunity, open up your heart. Reach out your faith. Allow God to meet you where you are, and you'll be shocked by how, God, how good God can be. Come on, does anybody here believe that God is good and you've experienced it? Come on, one more time. Let's give God some praise. Well, listen, we're starting a brand new series today entitled Thin Skin. Everybody say Thin Skin. Thin skin, we've heard maybe that term before, thin skin, thick skin. Thick skin literally is, you know, some of you guys, you have this, especially it's this idea like maybe it's calloused, especially like in the summertime. Some of you guys, man, like summer comes and you don't put shoes on again till fall. Like you just roll without shoes and it's crazy. Like you can just walk wherever and you're good to go. Me, I have baby feet. I mean, like I have to wear shoes. My feet are like super sensitive. Like, if I step on the smallest thing, a hot sand in the summer, listen, man, I think Lego blocks should be outlawed. <laughs> like, if I step on one, it's like death. I mean, I just really sense the feet. I have thin skin on my feet. So, literally speaking, thick skin is when somebody's not easily hurt physically. Thin skin, right, throughout this series, figuratively, is, is this idea of people who have thick skin figuratively are people who are not easily offended or easily hurt or easily upset. However, people with thin skin are easy to offend. People with thin skin are easy to offend. And we live right now in a society and a culture where people being offended, come on, is out of control. It's like everywhere we look, everywhere we go, it's like the thickness of people's skin is eroding right before our eyes. It's almost, like, um, it's almost like offense is getting more intense. Everywhere we go, people everywhere are offended at everybody all the time. Like atheists are offended at religious people. Religious people are offended at secular society. People in society are offended at all manner of things. People are offended at people's parenting. We're offended at pronouns. We're offended at politics. We're offended, come on, we're offended at coaches and teachers and referees. We're offended at mascots and teams and statues. We're offended at, come on, we're offended at all kinds of things. It is crazy that we are living in the age of offense in the community of the offended. It's like everywhere we go, people are offended. Just this past week, my wife and I, we were driving down the road, and we just had the radio on in the background. And this is how crazy offense and offended people have. Like this story, think about this. This was a story of a lady all the way in New Zealand. And it's being broadcast all over the world. And basically, this lady has sued. Her lawsuit has gone all the way to what is equal to the Supreme Court in New Zealand because she's a vegan. We got any vegans in the house? I didn't think so. <laughs> if you are, I know you're like, uh, no, no, shout out to the vegans. Good for you guys. I like meat. So uh, some of you, and you're offended by that. I, I mean, we're, right, we're tracking. So this lady's a vegan, and she is, she's offended that her neighbors have barbecue, and she has to smell the aroma of cooked meat 
So she has sued to make her neighbors stop barbecuing. Everybody shout offense. It's everywhere we look. Several years ago, I grew up in the 70s, so I grew up every Christmas. There were a handful of shows that would come on that go all the way back to the late 50s and 60s. I know it's long, but come on, some of y'all are with me. Anybody remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Like, come on, you can be 60 still rocking to Rudolph, right? Well, did you know? I don't know if you knew this, but Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has been officially pulled from the lineup from now on because a group of people in society has deemed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer offensive because it's an exploitation of, uh, uh, of people who have uh, issues in their life, people who are handicapped. Isn't that crazy? No more Rudolph the Red-Nosed. So instead of seeing, as an, seeing him as an overcomer, now people have deemed it offensive because it's exploiting handicapped people. Crazy. I'm just telling you, it's everywhere we look everywhere in society. Uh, I just want to celebrate. We just were uh, notified just uh, several days ago that for four years in a row, we have been uh, acknowledged as one of the fastest growing churches in the entire nation. Come on. But, <laughs> but while we have people coming, we also have people going. And you know the one, number one pe reason people leave? Because they get offended. We've had people leave offended. Oh, and I'm throwing some people out, by the way, not by name, but by story. And if you leave, you could be next. No. <laughs> we had someone wander in one day who had, a, who had a handgun on their hip. And, you know, if you got a permit to carry one and we don't know it, that's whatever, whatever. But it was revealed and it makes people nervous. So our security team politely approached this person who had been at church for probably a year or two. Hey, we just need you to take it to the car, cover it up. And he refused and left mad and never came back because he wanted, to, he wanted everybody to know he had a gun. I know. Everybody shout thin skin. We've had, we've had people leave because we, we try to direct traffic. We try to direct, and we have thousands of people here in order to get everybody in, in the worship center. We have people who, who are out there serving their brains out in the heat and are greeted. Come on, let's show them some love. And they're trying to direct traffic through parking lot and through the doors. We've had people that were in this church for decades leave offended because they couldn't leave the door they wanted to leave. Come on, everybody shout thin skin. And listen, before you get too judgmental, some of you are offended because nobody talked to you at church. Come on, church people are some of the most offended people on the planet. You didn't talk to me. I didn't like the mess. You didn't do the song I liked. It was too loud. It was, come on. Some of you are offended because I think you're offended. Some of you are offended because I'm not as offended as you think I should be, and I'm offended because you're offended. We are living in a state and age of offense, and it is absolutely out of control. Is anybody with me? Everybody shout thin skin. It's, uh, it's crazy. There was a time, and I remember this growing up, you know, we would have phrases and, you know, like, hey, suck it up and get over it and, you know, toughen up. And, it, like, there used to be a time where if you were easily offended, that, that was a weakness in your character, being offended is no longer in our society a weakness of character. It's an obligation of culture. You need to be offended. We, need to, we look for things to be offended over. We're offended, we're offended at all kinds of things. We're offended at our, we're offended again, we're offended at teachers and we're offended at referees who, who they don't give the call to our kid that they think we get. We're offended by our bosses and we're offended by our employees. We're offended by politicians and politics. Like everywhere we go, we are getting offended. And through this series, we're going to talk about that while there are some things that I think deserve a response, while I think there are some things that maybe demand our attention, 
I think we just need to be honest and say most of the things that we get offended about are not serious. It's silly. And while it's your right to be offended, as your pastor, this is what I want to challenge you with today as we start this series. What I want you to know is that offenses have expenses. Offenses have expenses. Come on, say that. Offenses have expenses, which means if you choose to carry an offense in your life, about any situation, any person, about someone in your family, someone you live by, if you choose to be offended, you need to recognize that it's costing you something. Like we think that, come on, you, like we need to know this, that, that you're, you being offended, a lot of times we get offended because we think being offended is going to change those people. If they know we're mad and they know we're upset, they're going to change, they're going to stop, they're going to stop voting de- Democrat, they're going to stop being gay, they're going to stop being white, they're going to stop being law enforcement, they're going to stop, like we think we're a change people. You need to hear this. You're not influencing people by your offense, you're being impacted by your offense. We're not changing people, we're being changed by our offense. Offenses have expenses. Y'all are quiet, getting offended on me. Come on. I got you. I got you. So there's something uh, called uh, true cost. True cost is this idea that when you purchase something, it's not always the purchase price that you have to pay. That when you get something in life that typically there are some hidden costs that you have to decide, do you really want this thing? For example, having kids. Come on, like, you know, I remember we, we, I remember we first got pregnant. And when I say we, I didn't do much, but in the beginning, and then at the end, <laughs> y'all know how it works, right? I, what does he mean? Uh, like at the end, the only part, like at the end was I got to watch the, uh, the contraction roller coaster on the machine. Oh, I'm like, here it comes, baby. We got a good one coming. It's like a roller coaster. Woo! But you think, hey, we're going to have kids. Like, what does it cost to have kids? And, you know, we're going to have to buy some diapers and we're going to have to buy some formula and you might have to put some money away for college expenses. But what you don't know is that there's a true cost. Like, there goes your social life. Bye-bye. There goes your sleep. Bye-bye. Come on, there's true cost. Everybody say true cost. True cost. There's a true cost to owning a car. The average car payment in America today is $523, which means if you decide to go get a new car, potentially you're going to be in that price range, and you think, well, I can afford it because I can afford, for example, $523. But there's true cost. The true cost of owning a car today is not $523, it's $878. Because in order to have that car, you not only have a car payment, you have to buy gas, you have to pay for maintenance, you have to pay for registration, Right? There's all these other expenses that you have to take into account. And so I want you to know to get, again today that as we jump into this series, Thin Skin, that while it's your right to be offended, what I want you to know is it's costing you something. And probably many of us in this room, we're paying a higher price than we realize there's a true cost to being offended. Offenses have expenses. And I want to talk today for a few minutes about the price we're paying to engage with culture and take on all these offenses. I'm not telling you again whatever is going on in your life and whoever's hurt you and whatever you deem offensive in society. Again, I'm not saying that there is nothing valid to have a concern over once you hear me. Through this series, we will talk about some of those things. But for the most part, we are overwhelmed as a culture by offense, and it is hurting us in a way that I don't think many of us realize. And so I want to jump into something that Jesus had to say on this topic. I love it. I love that he's got something to say. Matthew chapter 24. If you have your Bible, if not, you can look up here on the jumbotron. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, real quick, he's talking 
uh, his disciples want to know when he's coming back. If you're, new to, if you're new to spiritual things, if you're new to church, I just want you to know one of the things we believe, and you might think it's outrageous, but it's what Jesus taught, and I go with what Jesus taught. So Jesus taught, he not only came one time, but Jesus clearly taught that he's coming back. First time he came as, first time he came as the savior of the world, when he comes back, he's coming back as the king of the universe. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so he really clearly taught, hey, he was coming back, his second coming. And so his disciples like you, like, when is he coming back? You know, because all of us probably have had that moment where we thought he came back and we got left. Anybody ever had those before? <laughs> Like, oh, Lord, Lord, don't come back until I get my driver's license and have sex. Anyways, and so we want him to come back, just not right today. And so, but Jesus clearly taught he's coming back. And so his disciples like us, when are you coming back? Jesus, we want to know. Tell us when you're coming back. And so Jesus, he didn't give a date. In fact, he clearly taught that no man knows the day nor the hour. But he did give us signs. He gave us seasons so we would know when these things start to happen, his, his second coming is getting near. And so I want to just read some of the things he said. Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Let me just stop and say this. So again, Jesus is saying, when you see these things happening more and more and more, I'm coming back to fix what's broken. Some of you were raised in, in churches where every, every Sunday you heard about hellfire and brimstone. Jesus coming back is not about revenge, but about restoration. Jesus is coming to make things right. And so... He's saying this, and I want you to notice that he makes this statement. He says, he says, one of the things you're going to see just before I come back, he says, you're going to see nation rise against nation. The word he used in the original Greek language is the word ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnicity. I don't know if you're paying attention, but all over our society and culture and all over this globe, ethnicity is rising against ethnicity. I just want you to know something. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't have a right or even an issue to be offended about something else that's happened in your life or in your past. But what I want you to know is that when you buy the lie of offense against another color, against another ethnicity, you are not on God's team. You're on the enemy's team. And that's one of the reasons Jesus is coming back is to fix the broken mess that's dividing us and separating us. Jesus wants us to be one people. And so he says, he says, when you see the rise of, of ethnicity against ethnicity, just FYI, he might come back tonight. Are you ready? <laughs> he goes on, he says this. He says, verse 8, he says, all these are the beginning of, I'm sorry, I'm back up, verse 7. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10, every voice here I want you to read with me. Lawrenceburg, read this voice, verse out loud. He says, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. He's saying, listen, just before I come back, one of the signs of my coming, one of the reasons I need to come back and fix what's broken, he says, is that offense is going to be on the rise. In fact, he says, many will be offended. Well, think about how we count today. And when I say generally, not numerically, we count, we say things like a few, a couple, most, some. 
Notice what Jesus is saying. He's not saying there's going to be a handful of offended people in society. He doesn't say a few. He doesn't say what he says is many, which means he's saying at least the majority, at least the simple majority of the culture you live in will be people that carry offense, which means sitting in this room, every other seat is, sitting, is full with somebody who's carrying an offense in their life. And Jesus is saying, and he's talking about, he says, people are going to be offended. They're going to betray one another, and they're going to hate one another. And he is not talking about three categories of people. He is talking about a progression of issue in people's hearts. He's saying it'll start first with offense. An offense is when what you expect to happen doesn't happen and you're disappointed. That's where offense comes. Have you ever been offended at a waiter or a waitress or offended at another driver? or offend, Right? Like we expect one thing, we get something else, and we get offended. And so he's saying when you allow that expectation to be offended in your heart, he says, then you're going to start betraying one another. When you betray somebody, you want the best at somebody else's expense. He says, then it will devolve into just hating each other. Come on. And I, know, I know some of us, we're going to have to admit we're part of the problem. I can stand up here and admit that I have been offended. I've been offended this week. I've gotten offended at my wife. I've gotten offended at my kids. I've gotten offended at my staff. I have been offended this week. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you allow offense in, if you don't do something with the offense, there's going to be an expense to your offense. You're going to carry away. You're going to start separating yourself from people, and you will start hating the people around you. And Jesus says, you become part of the problem and not part of the solution. So I'm going to have to come back and fix it. I don't know about you. I remember as a kid. My dad used to say, don't make me come up there. What Jesus is saying is, don't make me come down there. I want him to come back, but I don't have to come back because of me. I want to be part of the solution of the planet, not part of the problem of what's happening with people. And so Jesus says, offense, there's going to be many who are offended, which means if Jesus is talking about offense as an issue, you need to know this, that offense is not a political issue. And it's not even a cultural issue. Being offended at the end of the day is a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. Now, again, we will defend it and say, it's, it's, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand what's happening. You don't understand the government. You don't understand what's happening with this. You no, no, Jesus is very clear that when we carry offense, it is a spiritual issue that's, that's hurting us and it's costing us. Now, I want to talk for a minute. When Jesus, he uses this word, he says, many will be offended. He uses a really a, a word. It's this powerful word. And again, it's, it's this word where we get our word scandalous. He says, many will be scandalized. Many will be scandalized. When you're scandalized, it's, that's it. You're offended. And here's the picture. Here's the word in that day, right? Some of us, especially like probably not a lot of us are hunters, but anybody remember back in the day, like all the wildly coyote always got caught in the bear trap? Right, the, bear, the trap is like that. It's like a big set of teeth opened up, and there's a piece in the middle where you step on it, and the trap closes on you. Right, Those are real traps. Those are real animal traps and bear traps of different sizes. And the way you catch an animal is you take bait. You take a piece of meat, and you set it in the middle of the trap that when the animal steps onto the center of it, it closes and catches the animal. The center part where you place the bait in the Greek language is the word scandalon. What Jesus is saying is there's a trap set for you. And if you take the bait of being offended at culture, society, politics, your neighbor, your teachers, if you get offended, he's saying all you've done is you've stepped into a trap of an enemy and it's caught you. You're not taking up a cause. You are falling for a trap. So offense, Jesus is saying you're getting caught in a trap. It's costing you something. Another word is and we're going to talk about this later through this series. Another word is it's a stumbling block, which, again, when we get offended, 
again, we are, we are tripping up or falling for a trap and neither is good. And so for a few minutes, I want to talk about the expense of offense. I, it's your right to be offended. I just want you to know, and I need to be reminded of the price we're paying to stay offended and live offended. It's like, come on, it's like the, it's like the train has left the station, choo-choo, like the offensive train, and people are jumping on it and carrying all kinds of offense. So here's three things real quick as we go through this. Three things, the expensive offense. Number one, an expensive offense is your peace. Is your peace. Has anybody ever met an offended happy person? Like, I mean, they don't exist. Offended people are some of the most miserable, angry, unhappy, bitter people on the planet. I've never seen an offended person and thought, we should hang out. We could get, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Let's have a barbecue out of vegan next door. Come on, somebody. No. No, I, I've seen, come on, you've seen them, I've seen them, you've been it, and I've been it. We've seen, we've seen, offended, people in, uh, we've seen offended people in Walmart that they're trying to take something back, and they're making a big stink in the whole store. Man, people, fights break out. I've seen offended people in airports yelling. We see offended people everywhere. Nobody thinks, that, nobody thinks that offended people are happy. Why? Because when you buy offense, you lose your peace. It costs you something. Think about, for real, the lady, the vegan who was suing. Now all she's thinking about is her legal expenses and going to court. There goes her peace out the door. When you carry offense at your neighbor, your coworker, old friends, family members, all we're doing is, is we're casting off our peace. And you know, Jesus said, he said at the end of his ministry to his disciples, he said, I've, ta I've taught you all these things so you'd have peace. And we're trading the peace that Jesus wants us to live in with the right to be offended. And I don't know if you know it, but you're being ripped off. And my hope as your pastor is you'll trade it back and you'll let go of some offense so you can walk in peace that Jesus came to give you. I'll show you that this is a spiritual issue because I had it just happen to me. And I, some, I, I share a lot of personal stuff, and I didn't want to share this because it makes me look bad. But I'm pretty good at doing, evidently. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've told you guys over the last several weeks um, that, you know, we moved into a house. And so, anyways, we had to get new appliances. I won't tell you what we got or where we got it, but we had to get some new appliances. And this will, I'll show you how this is a spiritual issue. See, Offense is not about fixing a problem. It is a spiritual issue. So this one appliance we got, it wasn't working right. And so my wife called the people we bought it from and told her, hey, we're, it's not working right. In which the person gave some advice how to run the machine. And it still was having issues. And so she called back. And basically, they were just kind of stiff-arming her. And so she got me involved. <laughs> and so I had to call. And so I had it like, I mean, really, I was bothered that we paid all this money for these appliances and they weren't working right and she was doing what she needed to do. And I mean, just things were going haywire. So I thought, I'm going to call. And at this point, like, I was kind of hot and bothered. I was offended. Come on, somebody. And so I got this person on the phone. I'm like, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop. It's an old phone. Boop, boop, beep, boop. And I was like, hey, is this so-and-so? And he said, yeah. I said, hey, my wife's called and this, this, this. I said, man, y'all need to make this right. And he said, this is what he said before I even finished. He said, Mr. Husky, you'll have a new machine by the end of the day. Which is good, right? But I was disappointed because I wasn't done yelling yet. <laughs> like, I was unsatisfied. I'm like, wait, you can't tap out already. I'm not done being mad. 
Hang on, listen, take that back. Let's argue a little bit first, and then you give the machine. What I'm telling you is like, I had a spiritual anger issue that wasn't resolved by resolution. He gave me resolution, but I was still mad. Are y'all hear what I'm telling you? Which means what you are really looking for, I'm telling you, if Biden gets in and Trump is out, if Trump gets in and Biden, whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're praying, if it happens, probably won't resolve the issue because it's not a political issue. It's not a cultural issue. It's not a bullying issue. It's not a neighbor issue. It is a spiritual issue. And it's costing you your peace. Like we drive down the radio listening to Fox News. I can't believe it. Drive, watching TV, watching CNN. Well, I just can't. I never. Listen, take your, take your American right, go cast your ballot, and then leave it in the hands of Jesus. Listen, Paul said it's God who puts authorities into position, not you. And so listen, if we have another, listen, whether you like it or not, Trump is the president for the next year, regardless of how you feel. And he's going he's to tweet what he wants to tweet. Your offense is not going to change what he tweets. And if he's there for another year, how you are offended ain't going to do that. And you can be offended if Biden gets in or Trump gets in or any of the other candidates. But let's be honest, it's going to be one of those two. You can be offended all you want, but your offense isn't going to change who's in the office. It's going to change how you sleep at night. It's going to change how you process food. All going to do is upset you and rob you of peace. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of being robbed of peace, but the only way it's going to change is we stop being offended. Now, some of you are clapping like, go ahead, pastor. You tell them to stop being offended. Go ahead, pastor. I got, I'm telling you, some of you text me right now. You need to watch this. You need this. Come on, everybody. Say, I need this. Second one, real quick. Second, I don't often give three points. If you're new to church, we're not a three-point church, but this is your day. <laughs> not only does it cost us our peace and expensive offense is God's presence. If you carry offense in your heart towards people, it will cost you a sense of God's presence in your life. Now, I want to be really clear. Like, again, Jesus made it clear that not only are we with the presence of God, but God made it really clear God's presence is in us. And that as Christ followers, when we give our life to Christ, that, that we belong to him. And that's a wonderful thing. And that doesn't mean that we walk through life with warm fuzzies and goosebumps. But how many people know that there are times that we sense the presence of God and we can feel him giving us strength and we can sense his presence and his encouragement. Come on, does anybody here ever sense God's presence show up in your circumstance and you were thankful for it? That God showed up and surrounded you and encouraged you. And so what I'm telling you is that, that when you carry an offense, it time, at times will compromise you sensing and walking in the presence of God because you cannot have contentions with men and maintain your connection to God. Why? Because the people you're offended at, the gay people, the white people, the black people, the Democrat people, the Republican people, whatever the people are that you put in your category, they are people who are made in the image of God, made by the same creator who made you, and God loves them as much as he loves you. And so I want you to know something. Listen, when you have contentions towards them, it starts to impact your relationship with God, not your salvation. I'll make this really clear. I'm not telling nobody in this room you ain't going to heaven. The Bible makes it clear that every one of us in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody watching online, every one of us are sinners. We've sinned, we've fallen short, we've messed up, missed the mark, and we don't get a mulligan. And you can't be good enough, you can't pray enough, you can't give enough, you can't read your Bible enough, you can't come to church enough to fix the gap between you and your creator caused by your sin and my sin. And that's why God sent his son. God sent his son Jesus on a rescue mission to take our sin and give us his righteousness, to take our brokenness and give us his wholeness. 
that when God sees you, God doesn't see your imperfections. God sees his son's perfections on you. That's why I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven because I'm a forgiven person. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here thankful to be forgiven? So, and once you're in Christ, you're in Christ forever. So this is not a salvation issue. I want to be really clear. But, again, it is, it is an intimacy issue. Your intimacy and your relationship with the Lord will be impacted if you continue to carry offense towards people. Uh, some, some of you in this room, I need some married people to help me right here so I'm not up here and get, get in trouble later. Right? Our marriage, we have a great marriage, but our marriage isn't perfect and we have disagreements. And how many people know that when you have, when you have, a, have some tension with your spouse, come on, you're still married, but the, but the shoulder tap's out. That's a No. Come on, don't act like you know what you're talking about. The story is closed. We're still married. Intimacy is out the window. If there is tension between my wife and I that's not resolved, we're still married, but intimacy goes down the tubes. The same thing is true in your relationship with Christ. You are still saved, but your intimacy is impacted. So I want you to know something. Be offended all you want. It is your right. It's your constitutional right. God's given you a free will. You can be offended at anything and everything, but it is costing you something. There is an expense to offense that I think all of us in this room ought to be fed up with paying. And I refuse to sacrifice my peace, and I refuse to sacrifice the presence of God in my life to maintain an offense to my brother or sister. Come on, somebody. Last thing real quick, last thing real quick, it not only costs us our peace and not only costs us the presence of God, I think the biggest and probably one of the most important things it costs us is the cost of offense is, is our purpose, is our purpose. Now, when I talk about purpose, and we talk about purpose here a lot at Faith Church and Lawrenceburg, when we talk about purpose, what I mean is that everybody in this room, you are not an accident, um, you're, you're not... You're not a series of accidents throughout time and eons, and you're just here. I mean, you were created by a creator with a purpose, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and all of our plans and purposes are unique in part based on our personality, our gift set, etc. cetera, and, and so God says it this way. God says it, that individually, when we come together as believers, we make up the body of Christ, and I'm a hand and you're a foot and some of you are an eyeball and, you know, some, some of you are earring holes because you need those too. And, you know, like we all have a part in the body. And so there, we have unique functions, but all of us have, there are some things that we all hold in common, regardless of who you are, part of your purpose and your primary purpose on planet earth. Are you ready? The primary purpose on planet earth, the reason you're born, the reason you're here is for relationship. It's for relationship. God made you. Think about this. The creator of the universe that was absolutely fulfilled in himself made you to be in relationship with him. And even after he did that with, with Adam, you know what he did? He still looked at him and said, it's still not good for him to be alone. He needs to be, everybody say it, in relationship. And so God made you and I to be in relationship. And the trouble is and the issue is, man, when we get offended it starts costing us those relationships. Uh, you need to know this, that, that some of you, you think you took a job because you like the job. And you need to know 
That job is not your source. That job is not your provider. Your boss is not your provider. God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. My God is my provider, which means he put me in a place. He put you in a workplace, not just for you to get a paycheck. He put you there for relationship. God put you there to influence people, to encourage people, to love people. Come on, somebody. You didn't buy the house you bought in the subdivision you bought just because you liked it. God opened the door for you to get the house because he needed you in that subdivision to build relationships so you could love people and encourage people. Come on, somebody. You are in the place of business, in the school you're in, the class you're in. And you're not on that team because you're good at sports. You're on the team. God helped you make the team so you would influence your teammates and love your teammates and encourage. It's all about relationship. Relationship is the medium that truth flows through. And I don't know if you know it, but all of us have blind spots. There's things about our life that we don't see. It's, it's clear as day. And all of us, we've all experienced this. Have you ever seen something in someone? Like you, you could see the relationship going bad. You could see the business deal going, but they couldn't see it. So we need people in our life that can see things that we don't see. And so relationship is the transmission. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the medium of truth. It's the medium of grace. It's the medium of encouragement. All of us need encouraged. And if you are not in relationship with people... You are not in the place where you can be loved and encouraged and someone speak truth to you. And the same is true for you and other people's lives. If you are so offended that you disconnect yourself from classmates and coworkers and neighbors, listen, I want you to know something. You are compromising your primary purpose on planet Earth to be in relationship so you can influence and impact society around you. Here's what, uh, here's what God's word says. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says this. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Which means somebody was in relationship and they got offended at their friend and they cut off relationship. He says, he says trying to win that friend back is harder than winning a fortified city. Now, we don't know anything about fortified cities today, but what he's talking about, what the writer is talking about is in ancient times, the way they would defend cities and nations is they would build huge walls, 20, 30, 40-foot walls around it which was a way of saying no, no enemy can get inside of our city. Walls were intended to keep enemies out. And I don't know if you all know this, but when we get offended, what do we do? We start keeping our neighbors out. We start keeping old friendships out. We show up at family gatherings, and we don't even talk to people. Why? Because we're offended. What I want you to know is that offended people build walls instead of bridges. And when you build walls, you wall yourself off from the people you're called to influence. And Jesus wants us to be people who build bridges of influence where we can love and encourage people around us. Come on, somebody. That's your purpose is to build bridges and not walls. And all offense does is hand you bricks. Put another brick in the wall. Don't make me get Pink Floyd on you. Come on, somebody. Another brick in the wall. And so it's this challenge, again, that we are sacrificing. We're paying a price. The expensive offense is so hard. And again, we feel so justified. And it's costing you something. If you read through the Bible, man, there's throughout Scripture, there's all kinds of offensive things happening. There's all kinds of opportunities for people to get offended. And what's crazy is as you read some of the stories, some people take the bait and fall in the trap. Some people trip over the stone. Did you know the very first murder happened because of offense? Cain got offended at his brother Abel. 
and he betrayed him and ended up murdering him. The religious people of the day that Jesus walked got offended at Jesus, was offended at what he said, offended at what he taught, and they were lost. But there's a handful of stories of people who had every reason to be offended and chose not to be. And God did great things in their life. And I just want to give you one example that I want you to hang on to this week. It's found in Genesis 45. It's the story, if you know a little bit of the Bible, it's the story of Joseph. You know Joseph. Joseph, he was the favorite kid in the house. We got any favorite kids in the house? I was the favorite kid in the house, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I am still the favorite at 47. Come on, somebody. Woo, it feels good to be favorite. So Joseph was the favorite kid in the house. Dad showed him favoritism. Dad let him buy stuff the other brothers couldn't buy. Dad let him have a moped when the other brothers couldn't have a moped. That's my story. And his brothers got offended at him and betrayed him and ended up hating him. They were so offended at Joseph that they decided to kill him. Thought better of the idea, and so instead of killing him, all they did was sell him into slavery. And you thought noogies were bad. Sold him into slavery. And goes back and tells dad, hey, dad, we found his clothes ripped and torn and bloody in the woods. We think he got ate by an animal. So his dad thinks his son is dead when, in fact, his brothers were so offended by him, they sold him into slavery. He gets sold into slavery in Egypt. This guy has every reason to be offended. We think we have reasons. This guy's family sold him out to be a slave in another nation. How would you feel if your family sold you into slavery? He could have spent the rest of his life bitter and angry and justifiably so. But instead, he guarded his heart against the offense. He didn't let it rob him of his peace. He didn't allow what his family to do rob him of God's presence in his life. And I want you to see as we close this today, he refused to allow the offense that he had a right to have to rob him of his purpose. You fast forward, he gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison. Eventually, God makes a way to promote Joseph from the prison to the palace. He becomes the right-hand man to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He gets put in a position that when famine strikes the entire region, he's the guy who allocates the food to the hungry. And you know who's hungry? His long-lost brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery. And if I was there, I was like, I bet it stinks to be hungry, and I'd have been eating in front of them. <laughs> Because I'd carry offense like you would probably carry offense. But I want you to listen as we close today what Joseph said. All those years after he should have been offended, after his brothers sold him in slavery, they come looking for food to Egypt. They stand before their brother Joseph, and he says this. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you which means some of the offensive things that happen your way is not an opportunity to get offended. It's an opportunity not to be offended. It's an opportunity to do the right thing. He says, you set me up to be offended, but no, no, God put me in this place. And he says this, he says, so it was God who sent me here, not you, and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. 
Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately, which means that Joseph was in the place to save the lives of the ones who hurt him the most. Last thing, we'll close. Refusing to get offended today will set you up to be outstanding tomorrow. Offended hearts can't be used. Offended hearts will separate you from God using you and will separate you from being used in other people's lives. When you say, I just refuse to be offended, I want to be usable. I want to be in relationship. I refuse to sacrifice my peace. God will set you up. It may not be happening today. It may not happen tomorrow. But God is looking for people that he can use. And offended hearts are thick-skinned, callous hearts that he cannot use. So many of us in this room would be honest enough to say that maybe you need some help overcoming some offense. Come on. How many people here need to get offended a little less? Come on. If that's you, lift a hand real high. I just need to get offended. I need to get less offended at politics and people and pronouns. And I need to get less offended at all the things that I'm upset by. I want to pray for you. I want you to open up your heart. And I want you to ask the Spirit of the Lord just to set you free. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your anointing that sets the captive free. Lord, while there are some in this room that have a reason to be upset, Lord, many of us in this room have taken on offense in culture, in society, Lord, and it's held us captive. And so, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus... I pray those who are robbed of their peace and those who are robbed of your presence and those who have sacrificed their purpose, Lord, I pray today would be a new day that we make the choice to not walk being offended and being upset and being bitter and walking with thin skin. Lord, I pray thicken our skin up. I pray make us hard to offend that, God, we are easy to use. Restore our peace. Restore your presence and help us walk in your purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord today? Hey, God bless you guys, man. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for week two of Thin Skin.